Hi, and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Bhati, a fourth-generation homeopath with over 20 years of professional experience in this field of healing. In the Homeopathy Health Show, I'll be talking all things homeopathy and natural, with guest interviews, tips and advice, and answering some of your questions. Homeopathy is truly a unique, complementary system of healing suitable for all ages, young and old. I'd love to hear from you and welcome your questions on homeopathy and how it can or has helped you. Feel free to email me at health at liketreatslike.co.uk or visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk for more information. Once you're there, take a look at the Knowledge Academy and blog section where you will find interesting information. Both sections are growing day by day, so always check back. So let's begin today's show on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio, real feel-good radio. My guest today is Som Jandu, who is the co-owner and director of the College of Practical Homeopathy in the UK. Som was actually trained directly by Ellen Kramer, who is the founder of the College of Practical Homeopathy, and he also sits as a panel member for the Homeopathic Course Providers Quality Assurance Validation Scheme, monitoring and maintaining quality assurance for homeopathic course providers in the UK. With a background in clinical pharmacology, neuroimmunology, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, homeopathy, herbalism, supplementation and clinical nutrition, Som indeed is a well-seasoned and experienced advocate for homeopathy, which makes it a great pleasure for me personally to have him on today's show. Som, greetings. Welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. Atik, thank you very much for your kind welcome and introduction. It's been a delight and an honour to be here. I was very humbled to be able to speak with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Tell us a bit more about your path and insight uh, as far as homeopathy is concerned. How did you get interested in homeopathy? It's always a fascinating uh, story, you know, but, uh, as far as it's, uh, the interest is concerned. I always find that people share fascinating stories of how they came into homeopathy itself. Okay, well, I went down the classical contemporary route of allopathic medicine, studied clinical pharmacology at a London University to understand how things impact the body, especially medicines and drugs impact the body and how the body gets ill and how it can get better. After that, I worked in, in, in a few hospitals, especially in the oncology departments, and seen loved ones fall ill with things like lymphomas, leukemias, and cancers. So I saw the very toughest side of healthcare and saw mm. the, the best side of medicine and how it's trying to help these people just stay alive, never mind get better, which led me on this journey to say, well, there's got to be another way, a better way. So I started researching alternative healthcare systems. So 30 plus years in health, health education, health sciences, and a various path through herbs, um, Ayurvedic medicine as well, led me to homeopathy. I like the thought of homeopathy. The thing that appealed to me about it was because it's gentle, it's safe, it's complementary, and yet can be used as a standalone system, which it obviously is. It's the second largest system of medicine in the world. But more importantly, it doesn't interact with anything, and it doesn't have side effects. Now, very few systems of medicine in the world can claim, make claims such as that. 
the also fact is that when when the, the principles of homeopathy, when it's the remedies are succussed to a point where you cannot see any crude matter, we're almost in the energetic field here of quantum mechanics and quantum energy. That really appealed to me. That just shifts in our energy, or vital force, or chi, or prana, as you may call it, can mm. then lead to a manifestation of a disease state or an illness. That is what fascinated me to embark on this journey. And here we are. It is fascinating, isn't it, that this system of medicine, like you said, it's the second largest system of medicine outside of the conventional system that we have. Yes. Uh, and it's just incredible that something that was founded 200 years ago is so effective and so lasting that you can say it's always going to be around. Homeopathy isn't going anywhere. No, it's it's not going right anywhere. It's uh, at quite quite the contrary. It's been around since the, since the earth has been created, because everything that's used in homeopathy is derived from the earth, from minerals, plants, animals. So we walk on this earth together, and in every country, every native land, there are sources and resources there of healing, the healing arts. Some scriptures may say it's not a biblical quote. This, but some scriptures will say. The fruits of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Now, we can look through ancient civilizations to find out that before drugs were invented, people healed themselves. I myself am in my 50s. I have parents in their mid to late 70s, and some of us have grandparents in their 80s and 90s. If we sit with the elders, they will tell us of a time when drugs were not invented. They will still go back to their siblings and talk about remedies in local villages, cities, centers, and communities and countries which the Western world is not even aware of. So there's been ways to heal the body without medication ever since civilization has been around. So we should embrace that and say, well, there's longevity in people who are still proud that they have their own eyesight, their own teeth. They have their faculties. They don't have arthritis. And they're still mobile into the 80s, 90s, and even into their centenary years. So there's a lot we've yet to learn about natural and worldwide healing. So true, isn't it? And also, I mean, the point that you make is so important that if people were ill and there was no treatment, there would be no one left on the planet anyway, right? So, uh, there, you know, there's no human being who cannot, who does not fall ill. Everybody has some sort of disease at one point or another in their lifetimes. Use it freely, use it extensively, and use what works people you know go for this is it tried is it tested now you said that the, we call it the healing arts there are various healing arts in the world and every art like every job has its own tools and its own language homeopaths as homeopaths we will use remedies we call them remedies and i love that word remedy because it tells us that it fixes the situation mm. it remedies it doctors in the allopathic conventional world they use chemicals which we call drugs medicines Herbalists use herbs. Acupuncturists use needles. Nutritionists use food and supplements. Aromatherapists use oils. Reiki practitioners use energy. Chiropractitioners use the hands. So we have all these healing arts that we go to anywhere in the world. And every healing art has its own toolkit. So homeopaths will use remedies, which is the energetic memory of a crude matter, which goes inside the body and helps the vital force realign itself back to health so the first principle we must remember is if there's no healing power nothing would heal we have a bruise the body knows how to heal itself if i cut myself shaving my body knows how to heal itself 
women will give birth to children, their body will realign and adjust itself back to normal. So we know there's something inside every cell in our body that knows how to repair itself. When that system goes awry or loses its way, a disease or illness will manifest. That is what all us homeopaths know is the vital force. This energy within us that has this all-knowing way to heal itself. But sometimes it gets knocked by a toxin, a trauma, a thought, a lifestyle, a pollutant, and then it loses its way. So the remedy helps to remedy and realign the vital force, where the vital force, this all-knowing force that's inside every one of us living souls, knows how to realign itself. We often teach here at the college that it's not the remedies that do the healing. They help the vital force realign itself, get itself back on track, and it will do the rest. So that's that's the framework with which we think and we practice as homeopaths. So we have to understand what is it that gets us from health to ill health, and how can we restore that back? Sometimes people will come to us and say, my doctor or my healthcare practitioner in whatever field they work in tells me this is impossible or they, it cannot be cured. And what we tell them is it may not be cured by that system or may not be treated by that system. So maybe explore another system. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and say this is the only way of health because as long as civilization has been arrived on this earth, civilization has known how to heal itself. And every civilization has its own tools, techniques, and methods. So the more open our mind is, the more we can learn, rather than closing it down and saying, this is the only way. I love that, what you've just said about the founder of homeopathy, Samuel Hahnemann. We have the word allopathy and homeopathy. First thing is the word pathos, which is Latin for disease state. Hmm. So we know that there's a disease state. Homeopathy means that the same disease, like, cures like. Allopathy is the opposite. An example of allopathy may be, I have a fever, you will give me an anti-fever drug like an aspirin or a paracetamol to reduce my fever. So that's going against it. But in the homeopathic world, if I have a fever, I will get a remedy that has, known, has been known to cause a fever in a patient who has no illness. Because the premise is something that can cause an ill state in someone who's healthy and sound can cure that state in someone who is unwell, presented with the same symptoms, which is like yours like. So we have two opposing systems there to help us understand. Now, the reason we can look at this is also if we look into physics or wave theory, you have a wave of a certain amplitude. If it comes across another wave of the same amplitude, they cancel each other out to zero, sound waves, air waves, or even waves in a pond. So we know that like cures like actually happens in the natural world. So this is another side of medicine, which is different, opposite, and yet equal to allopathy where opposites will cancel each other out and often so people true. struggle with that concept it's um just recently um out of so many patients of course but a, a little child came and um i looked in his ear and it was a bit inflamed and he had a fever uh symptoms you know of deadly nightshade belladonna and um gave him belladonna and you know after three doses absolutely fine you know this is the power of homeopathy this is the power of that principle you know like treats like or like cures like uh, it's just amazing when it works it works miraculously you know yeah and oftentimes if we have the right remedy at the right potency given by a skilled homeopath who understands the state of the patient how they got there and how to use the remedy 
You're absolutely right, Hattie. The, the results can be speedy and oftentimes miraculous, very quick, very effective. So we, we hope more people open their minds to using alternative methods, especially homeopathy. It's not the second largest system in the world by accident, by choice. So that tells us there are many, there are billions of people out there using this. Uh, Sam, I um, wanted to actually ask you about the College of Practical Homeopathy. Now, you know, this college has a very respected uh, respected following around the world as far as homeopathy goes. And a great many homeopaths I personally speak to have actually graduated from the college. Uh, it must be a nice feeling, I mean, to give back so much and to train future healers. I mean, it's the best thing in the world, isn't it, to be able to to guide you know, young practitioners to a field where then they can go on for the rest of their life and possibly their generations to come um, in this field of healing to help people, um, to support them, to uh, encourage them and, you know, to have compassion with their, you know, state to be able to help them. Well, we, we were very, we're very honoured and also very humbled by the reputation that CPH has. And even when I was searching for a college to at which to study, I chose CPH for that reason and a few others, which if we have a chance, we'll discuss later. First thing is that, as we know, with any homeopath, any college that teaches, any educator anywhere in the world, an educator never knows the full extent of their teachings because we may teach one person and they may teach another 10 who may teach another 100. And even that alone is a very humbling experience some you know and sometimes our teachings outlast us even after we've expired so to be in that fortunate position where we're sharing knowledge that we've learned from our predecessors that we've added to with our own experience and sharing that with the future generations we tell them that cph here don't do what we do do it better than we do add to it to keep homeopathy progressing for the modern world and the modern patient with modern illnesses and disease states that are yet to come which we haven't foreseen and that keeps it progressing. So yes, we're humbled and proud of that reputation. But as all educators, we're all in that same thing together. That our job is to spread that word, empower our future homeopaths, increase their confidence and their competence, wherewith they have all the tools at their disposal to treat the patient now and in the future and generations to come with any disease state. I'll give a very simple example. 100 years ago, Things like the contraceptive pill and HRT did not exist. Mm. Now, people may take this. And this can, as it's known, has passed down from mother to daughter generationally, even if the offspring have not had the pill. Things, Medicines manifest and carry on their effects in the next generation. So when we deal with these, even our forefathers who may have learned homeopathy a different way will not have the tools to deal with the modern patient. Generational changes, changes epigenetically that change the structure and the way the person responds. And this is something that we see all around the world where younger girls are reaching puberty sooner, they're having issues with menses and uh, amenorrhea, dysmenorrhea at an earlier age and stage and manifesting all sorts of illnesses like hirsutism and acne way before their teenage years even. We have children as young as seven and eight starting menses early. Why? Because this hormones in the mother's body have passed through the child and sped up and accelerated the process of maturation. So we need people who can deal with this effectively to help the next generation and their generation beyond. And that's one example of how homeopathy keeps progressing along things like that. When I was a child, one in 10 people fell ill with cancer. Now I think we can go anywhere in the world and find someone 
whose life has been touched by someone who has cancer if they haven't had it themselves. The stats are now one in two people, 50% will get cancer. We have to be ready for people being in a weakened disease state where they're predisposed and will manifest diseases that we hadn't thought about 100 years ago. So that's the way we're trying to push and encourage our students and graduates to think, not just for today's or yesteryear's patients, but forward. Write texts that haven't been written. Use, use applications of homeopathy that haven't yet been used to keep it progressing. So we're very proud of being trying to be at the forefront with our peers and lead that way. You know, I was thinking as you were talking that, um, of, of course, we know that, you know, in this, certainly as far as, um, you know, miasmatic influence is concerned, yes. it is often said this is the carcinogenic uh, time period that we're going yes. through. Yes. Everything seems to have come, and this is not a positive, of course, this is a negative, but everything, unfortunately, or sadly, unfortunately, seems to have come together and people <laughs> have... Uh, a mixture of diseases which are not that easy to treat that like they were 50 years ago you know it's not just a fever there's a myriad of other underlying causations and they're mixing up swirling around you know and i always find yeah. that patients don't just present let's just say it, it is something miasmatic or you're looking at the patient miasmatically it isn't just one it's not that simple anymore I, th I think you're right. I think, I think what happens now is one is everything seems to be accelerating. And yes, people come in, in multiple miasmatic states existing at the same time. Mm. So the disease state the patient is presenting with is quite complex. It's not a simple, straightforward picture. People can have two or three active miasms at the same time, psychotic, carcinosin, etc. The carcinosin mm. miasm, the cancer miasm, as we call it, is often an amalgamation of the miasms that predated anyway soric, psychotic, syphilitic, and tubercular. Mm. So, it could, And that it could be a manifestation of any or all of these existing at one and the same time, not just in sequence or differently. The other thing that we teach and we, we share with people, the, the cancer miasm isn't just a way of manifesting cancer as an illness. It's a mindset, the mindset of fear. And we've seen that around with this pandemic around the world for the last three years. People are very fearful of illness, very afraid, very uncertain. Just the fear, uncertainty, and worry lowers our immune system by virtue of the fact that we're worrying. It puts our adrenal system in overdrive, reduces our immune response, thereby, ergo, we are going to get more illnesses because we're more susceptible by the very fact of our own self-inflicted stress. When we look around, we have some reality TV, which is a fascinating insight into social experiments with people. The newer generation, they're, they've had a lot of time with their parents. Parents are more hands-on with their children nowadays, which is great. There is downsides to everything, though. We have a phrase, in strength there is weakness, and in weakness there is strength. When we approve and give a well-done and, and pat on the back to the children, sometimes they lack the robustness that our fathers and forefathers had before us, that hard grit, what we call the silica state, get up and do things. And so this constant need for approval or a pat on the back makes us weaker. That's also a carcinosin miasm. Am I worthy? Am I pretty? We look at social media. We look at campaigns for natural beauty that encourage us to love ourselves as we are without social media filters. And this is all for the approval of others. How many likes and thumbs up do I get on certain social media channels? So when we have a state where humankind's self-worth is based on how other people perceive them, that's quite sad and worrying. So 
we have to deal with that. And that's something that we hadn't factored in for even 50 years or even half a generation ago. Something very close to my heart, actually, this, because I have been looking at and treating over the last certainly five years. Uh, and in fact, it actually peaked during COVID, funnily enough, um, mental health conditions. Now, what I have found, having focused so heavily on mental health conditions, because it just, there were so many patients with the same type of uh, ailment, you know, and it was all related to emotions and, and an imbalance mentally, that uh, it, it's just the situation that I find is that people are, we, we talk about carcinosin, but we also, it's the, the age of mental health complaints. And it's, um, it's a result of social media. I love social media. Look, I, for the homeopathy health show, we use homeo, we promote homeopathy on on all the social media channels instagram tiktok facebook whatnot but like you said it's this um conformity that comes into play for the younger generation which is a concern that you have to look a certain way to be seen as appropriate and that's not how it's supposed to be this is not what we want to be passing to our generations this is will not end well dare i say it you know I think we, we see it in, in, in every age and stage. We can see it with children with social media. We see it with people in relationships where we're constantly yearning for the approval of our partners. Children yearn for the approval of their parents. Even as adults, we want the approval of our parents. Oh, well done. I'm proud of you. Congratulations. When we seek externally, that means there's something lacking internally. And that mm. leads to insecurities. The insecurities, that we often describe this as the cancer miser mindset. Am I good enough? And we find people who do that, they often work in places, they give back, they work in charities, they work in um, charity shops, they work in a nursing shelter or a homeless shelter or a, um, a shelter for animals or, or affected children to give back. Then they say, I love charity, it's my way of feeling good. That's very noble. But we ask them, say, what's your life been like? It's been quite tough, it's been this way. So this manifests illnesses in other ways. Then it's funny how we look around at people who have cancer and I ask our audience, say, have a look at the people whose lives have been touched by cancer and someone we all know. We all know people. I say, what kind was that? What was that person like? And often we find they're very gentle. They're very loving. They're very nice. They're very timid. They're very mild. They're very yielding. These are the kind of words oftentimes used to describe people who manifest and, and have a journey through cancer. There may be others who may smoke or take social drugs or drink too much and have manifest an illness of cancer, which has been caused by a toxin inside the body. If it hasn't, it's been caused by a thought. So these thoughts can be quite affecting, quite effective to us as well. And they cascade through our body. They affect our nervous system. They affect our hormonal system. They affect our physiology and our biochemistry. And then an illness manifests. And then we're like, crikey, I've got this. Oh, my gosh, I think I'm going to die. Not really. What is your body's dialogue with itself? Your body's telling yourself, I'm not worthy. So what does the body do? Okay, you're not worthy, so why don't we destroy yourself? And wherever we feel it, in whatever organ system, that is where it will manifest. And that's what homeopathy helps us to understand. So when we talk about practical homeopathy, we say, well, let's, let's do what we can to help our patient get better. Forget the theory. Let's apply it. We have methods to guide us and give us a framework to help the patient heal. We've all been taught of symptom similarity. The guiding symptoms guide us to the right remedy. 
Here we have a philosophy at CPH of etiology before symptomology. Let's understand what's caused you to become unwell, and then let's reverse that process so you become well again. And we have a phrase here, we go, the only place where hope is gone is in dead people. Where there is life, there is hope. If the body can produce it, the body can reduce it. So we have to go on a journey with that patient through their timeline and their case taking to find out all the things that happen in their life that led to this manifestation. Now, you and I, Atik, know that we, we have remedy pictures for remedies. You're doing belladonna or you're so nux vomica or you're so arsenicum. We know what that means as homeopaths. So why can't we say something? Oh, you're doing carcinosin right now. Am I? Yes. Just like a child is naughty, we say you're being a naughty boy. Not you're a bad child, but you've done a bad thing. We can talk to patients and say, you're not a bad person. You've got something that appears bad. Let's find out what led to that. Now, let's unravel that back. And the remedies are going to help your vital force align itself so you don't feel that way anymore. We may have to work short time. We may have to work a long time. We may have to work holistically and do all systems go if your disease state is that far gone. There may be times that we can help. There may be times that we can no longer help because the body might be too far gone. But then if we apply that thinking to any disease state, even if it's the earache, as you just mentioned, how did the patient get that way? What has made them susceptible, which is what the myasmatic theory is all about? What has predisposed me to manifest this? We also often teach that behind an acute, there's a long-term chronic that is manifest as a flare-up. So acutes may come and go, but we say, well, what is it in this person that's made them manifest and display these symptoms? It's just that kind of mindset that we bring. Now, you mentioned about, just briefly mentioned about homeopathy and, and how you work on practitioners and patients. But um, what's the college offering as far as the structure of courses? And, uh, you know, how do you... How do you find that? Is that UK-based only? I know when we spoke before the show, you mentioned some other campuses. Is Am I correct? Okay, well, the college has its base and foundation in the UK. It was formed in the UK. Um, we had physical colleges in Birmingham, in the middle of the country, and in London. Over the last 20 years, with the advent and you know, the widespread usage of the internet, the founder, Ellen Kramer, she had the foresight to say, hang on, we need to be able to make this system of healing this system of learning more widely available to everybody around the world. And the internet provided the ideal platform. And she wanted to make it effective, affordable, and reachable. So people did not have to turn up physically at campus. So she went, underwent this whole revision of the course to turn it from a classroom-based course to one that's delivered via the internet. It's not an online course, which means you have to attend by physically being online. No, you get your lessons, which are delivered via the internet, you download and you study them. That saves the patient, the student, having to purchase too many books to enhance the studies because the whole course is written to get somebody from knowing nothing to becoming a professionally licensed, qualified homeopath. So it's not someone who has an interest, it's to make them a practitioner. We have two courses, one for someone who knows nothing. That's a three-level course, certificate, diploma, and licentiate. Mm. The other one is a postgraduate licentiate for people who are already healthcare professionals. They may be doctors, nurses, pharmacists, osteopaths, physiotherapists, or they may be people in the healing arts, nutritionists, physiologists, cranial sacral therapists, Reiki practitioners, and such, and herbalists, aromatherapists, who have an understanding of the body and the body system, but yet want to take it further. 
And the way we teach homeopathy here is a very holistic, integrated, and immersive approach. So we don't just teach one method of homeopathy either. We teach 15 to give the patient, the student, a framework in which they can position their patient where the patient's at on their journey and then move them along using various methods to a picture of health and restore that patient's health. And we enhance that with training them in nutrition, herbs, supplementation as well. We use bowel noses, meditative provings, the flower essences. It's a fully integrated and immersive course. So our homeopaths come out not only being able very competently to use their homeopathic remedies and methods in which to apply them, but how to support the body nutritionally, supplementary, because it will be deficient. The body, If the body lacks the resources to heal, no matter what energetic information we give, it will not do so. As I often say to our students here, the remedies are the recipe. The food and the nutrition are the ingredients. Because if the recipe tells the vital force how to align itself, it needs the tools and the resources to rebuild itself and restore itself back to health, either via vitamins, minerals, the food macros, proteins, carbs, fats, or other stuff, cellular nutrition with the tissue salts. So when we have that whole integrated holistic approach, we look at the patient from a multifaceted approach. That's how we train our students here. That also enables them to pick up any report from a doctor, from a nutritionist or a herbalist, understand where the patient's at, the journey the patient's been on, and where we can take it from here. Herman Kepler was on the show. He's the founder and principal of the College of Naturopathic Medicine, and he's a homeopath by profession. And he was talking to me about nutrition and the importance of nutrition. And I think it's very true what you're saying, because nowadays, because of the, the depleted soil, the overproduction of food, the fact that, I don't know, really, is anything really pure anymore? You know, is it all processed? Uh, who knows? But certainly, considering the way that we're breaking out into disease, I think personally, food is actually playing a, a, a huge role in this we are truly becoming, we are what we eat type of thing, you know, and yeah. uh, unfortunately the food is so processed and so full of chemicals that uh, they're causing havoc inside. It's it's confusing the body. It's confusing the immune system. No wonder autoimmune diseases are on the rise. Absolutely. I mean, again, we've heard in, in scriptures, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Yes. The first thing we need to do is eat good food. I mean, when I was younger, we only had food. We weren't shopping for food. We didn't go shopping for organic food. It was just food because in those days it was organic. Nowadays, if I go to the store and I see an aisle that says organic food, by definition, the shopkeeper is telling me that everything else is inorganic. Hmm. That tells hmm. me it's made with chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, steroids, plant sterols, antibiotics, etc., etc. So the food might look nice and shiny. I might look appealing to the eye. It might have wax on it to make it look healthy. But all these things in my body are not going to be healthy for me because that's not the way natural food is done. And yet if we go to a farm, especially an organic farm, we might find the, 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 even apples and pears and tomatoes, they're all shaped differently. They don't all look identical. They're not all precisely the same size because every plant will grow the way it needs to through the soil that's enriched by the minerals. But if the mineral depleted soil is producing fruit and the fruit's larger and bigger, but less tasty, less nutritious, it's because it's being raised from minerally depleted soil. Mm. This leads us to something very important in nutrition as well, Atik, even in homeopathy 
or herbalism or anything. People take a multivitamin supplement. But we always tell our patients and our students, vitamins don't act well in the absence of minerals. So you need minerals first. And when we eat our plants and our fruits and our vegetables and everything that grows from the earth and nature, it's loaded with minerals as well as vitamins. Minerals come first. We have minerals in our salt, Himalayan soleil, Celtic sea salt, etc. We remineralize our body. When we have to have healthy teeth and bones, we say you need minerals, calcium, phosphorus, fluoride. So we know that minerals play an essential part in our body, and yet we don't focus on them too much. We didn't need to because when we plucked things from trees, dug them out the ground, they were loaded with minerals. So minerals are the first essential building block of life. Then come vitamins. Then come your macros because they make up everything else. Isn't that important? Isn't that interesting to see that way? Now, I have a little story to tell people. When we, when we plant a plant in some soil and we water it, and we water it, that little plant grows larger and larger and bigger and bigger and may eventually give us some fruit. And all we did was apply water to it, and it grew into a plant. So that's, one, how important water is to life. Second is how important minerals are because the soil has minerals in it. But isn't this the funny thing? The bigger the plants get, our soil, if you measure it in a, in a pot, the soil doesn't deplete itself, does it? It may come down a little bit being compacted by the repeated watering, but the soil is still there. So it's not the sucking up of the soil that the plant grows large and big. It's taking the minerals from the, from the, from the soil. Then we think, well, how can the soil be depleted? Well, it isn't because we replenish it with water. We go to the store and we buy water. It's called mineral water. All water has minerals in it unless it's been distilled. So water is essential to life because it's got the minerals. The minerals come from the water, feed the soil, which we suck up into our plants, which we ingest into our bodies. It's that simple. So we tell people, are you drinking enough? Are you eating wholesome food first? Because without that, no remedy will remedy you. So it's just these basic concepts where we don't give it enough thought. Say, okay, I buy it from the store, which has been packed and dehydrated or frozen for months. Get it as fresh as you can, as close to as nature intended. Soak it in water. Drink as much water as you can. It will rehydrate you and remineralize you. That's just a little That's example of one of the stories we tell. Very, very important advice as well, actually. Som, I actually wanted to ask you, you know, over the last several years, homeopathy has actually begun to attract a new, younger audience around the world. And although this has actually always been the case, it seems to be very much more prevalent now than ever before, is a, a huge interest in homeopathy, whether or not somebody actually goes to to study, you know, that's that's a different uh, subject matter altogether. But the fact that the interest in homeopathy, where people are able to have certain remedies, first aid remedies at home, you know, this is growing day by day. And I see this not just in the UK, but all around the world with, with people I'm, I'm speaking to all the time. And uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, thanks firstly to people like yourself, Atik, who use platforms like this to raise the awareness of homeopathy amongst everybody around the world. Thanks to all the educators before us and working with us right now. Every voice who talks about alternative healthcare raises the awareness. Every homeopath who talks this way and has this passion makes people intrigued. So first of all, it starts with all the hundreds and thousands of educators in all the colleges around the world and people like you who give us that opportunity to speak and share it with your passion and invite us to share our thoughts with you. So it starts there. Combined with a generation who are better traveled than our forefathers, 
The world is at their fingertips. They travel for vacation to far-flung reaches of the world. They learn about native cultures, native food. They're more woke, as they say. They're more aware of things. And they're also more cautious of ingesting things in their body, which are chemicals and drugs. So when we have a generation that's actually healthier in that respect, they have a better appreciation for their bodies. I read recently that the younger generation do not drink as recklessly as the generations before. Alcohol is on the decline. Smoking is less. So people are generally healthier or more body aware. Even if it's only for social media, it has a positive impact on them. So they are less likely to put toxins in their bodies and search an alternative. More people are into healing art, things like yoga and Reiki, going for nature walks. All this combined lets people be in touch with their true self, which is to be out there amongst nature and have things that are naturally aligned and created for their body. People have gone to herbs such as elderflower, etc., to rhodiola to increase their immune system. More people are aware of things like vitamin C and vitamin D for short-term and long-term immunity, respectively. People are taking oregano oil and turmeric to boost their antibiotics and immune systems that way. So when people are generally more aware and they share, this is growing. So we're on the cusp of a wave which is surely set to grow over the next decade or two. And we're grateful. I'm quite sure. Yeah, I'm quite sure it's going to grow. It's going to go in leaps and bounds, which is yeah. uh, which is just good. Knowledge, knowledge is key to everything, to success. You're 100% correct, Atik. I think the gen- younger generation, they're more also they're more aware, but they're also more empowered. I think that's the word. They want to take charge of their lives. Let me see what my options are. And the power of social media, they will go into their own social groups and networks and be influenced by each other. So this public sharing of information, this public anecdotal evidence, try this, it worked for me. It's everywhere from household goods to trust pilot and trip advisor and sharing of healthcare tips. People are increasingly want to take, they're increasingly, they're skeptical of being told, but they're pro learning and sharing from real life experience. It's like they say, don't go to your butcher and ask him if you should become a vegetarian. So it's things like this. So, yeah. so, the, so the younger generation, so hang on, I will ask my friends, thank you very much. I will put it on social media, see if anyone's had this experience and share it with me themselves. Homeopaths are helping, like other modalities, to serve humanity. This is what we're doing. Yeah. I, I was saying to, um, I think it was Camilla Scher I was speaking to, and I said that every homeopath has this compassion. You can't be a homeopath without having compassion. It's there. It's it's part of you. You know, you are one and the same. And uh, it's that compassion which enables one to serve humanity, which then actually it wins the blessings of God anyhow. Uh, yes. It's the best position to be in. And this this is so so important. When I, when I well, I was a student at CPH, so when I applied, I had some credentials beforehand in healthcare. I remember the conversation I had with her, and she said, "Som, the most important thing for me." is that you genuinely have to care about people. She goes, we can make homeopaths from anybody, but the ones who make the best homeopaths are ones who really, really care about mankind and humankind. I want mm. to help them, impart them. And that's their compassion. And that's what we look for. That's what we instill. They're part of our values as all homeopaths are. Um, I often say to prospective students when they speak with me, I said, beware, this comes with a health warning. The warning is homeopathy is like a superpower. You can't turn it off, and you always want to help everybody you meet. But, you know, I think the no true words have been said of every homeopath I've ever met. They have this 
deep passion to help anybody, even if it's an old lady sniffing on a bus. We yes. might think, how can I help her? I wonder what caused it. So that's a very caring way. It's a very noble way to be in this world. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, Som, it's been an absolute delight to speak to you. I mean, it's uh, it's it's really good. And uh, I sincerely hope that you will come back on the show later in the summer. And, uh, you know, we can talk a bit more. And um, I do wish you and the college great success, or should I say continued success uh, around the world, actually. And, um, uh, you know, wishing you all the best. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been uh, a joy to have you. Atik, we're, we're very honoured, but also very humbled that you invited us. So thank you so much. Thank you for what you do as a platform to raise the awareness of homeopathy and have these discussions and bring noted speakers before us to come and share their views so the viewers and we can all listen and learn and inspire us further on the journey. So we cannot thank you enough. And for the readers listening, thank you all for attending. Please go out there and be that voice that helps humankind. Take your compassion there. Share, inquire, and teach us a thing or two as well because we're all here learning every day. Thank you very much, Ati. It's been an absolute pleasure. I do hope you've enjoyed the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Tune in next time for more things homeopathy, interviews, and segments on the healing possibilities that homeopathy can bring you. And don't forget to visit UK Health Radio online at www.ukhealthradio.com to see the many other amazing shows available to listen live and on demand. Or why not download the app from the iOS and Android stores. Until next time, stay safe and take care.